Welcome to Lacrosse Recruiting 101, where the biggest names in lacrosse share their inside views and expertise. Now, your host, Luke Cometti. In this episode of the podcast, we talked with John Carroll, who has recently taken over as head coach of the Nichols Men's Lacrosse Program. And John does a great job describing how his past coaching experiences at Trinity College, Sacred Heart University, and Holy Cross University have kind of helped shape his philosophy when it comes to recruiting and how he will set up his Nichols program so that they will see success come springtime. Like always, if I miss something or there's something you'd like to see on the next show, then please email us at questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com or tweet at our Twitter handle at laxrecruit101. Thanks for listening. John Carroll, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Appreciate you being here. I know it's a busy time of year. No, I appreciate it. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for the opportunity. Of course. And when I was doing a little fact-checking on your background, obviously, you know, we've played together. I've known you a long time. I realized how hard it is to find some info about you on Google because <laughs> of John Carroll University. <laughs> and that got me thinking, what are the chances of you ever ending up at John Carroll University? You know, um, I feel like it might be a little self-serving, but <laughs> I can't rule it out completely. I'm in this profession you have to be willing to look at every opportunity, even if the school is named after you. So it's uh, exactly it's a who question, wouldn't want to play for John Carroll at John Carroll. I know it would be quite the intro on the on the phone call talking to recruits too. <laughs> but you know, uh, like I said, it's 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 a place that I know is an up and coming program. I would be honored to be the head coach there if that opportunity ever came about. But uh, really happy to be at Nichols. Super excited to get started there. Absolutely. So you did just accept the head coaching job at Nichols College um, this past summer. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Nichols College and more specifically the men's lacrosse program there? Yeah, absolutely. It was an unbelievable opportunity that was presented to me, you know, early in the spring. You know, I'm definitely familiar with the school. I actually had a coach in high school who was a goalie at Nichols uh, in the 90s. So that was kind of how I was familiar with the program first and foremost. You know, I definitely noticed Nichols over the last couple of years making really big strides. They've just finished their third consecutive winning season since the 2017 season under uh, Coach Gobiel, who became our athletic director, actually. So having him around as a reference as well to kind of get jump started with the program and get to know the guys and kind of the ins and outs of everyday life as a lacrosse player at Nichols, uh, it's been a tremendous help. So yeah, I can't uh, speak enough about it, but it's, you know, I got here, let's see, uh, beginning of, Ju of July, I drove down to Delaware immediately after getting hired and met with my assistant, Mac Martin, who uh, graduated from the program he was an attackman here until the 2018 season, and then he became the graduate assistant for us uh, for the 2019 season, and he'll be back for 2020. Really hard worker, really glad that he's on board and kind of keeping things afloat with recruiting. We've had guys in here every day uh, over the past month. We got more coming up this week, so things are rocking and rolling. Got a couple commits for the 2020 class. 
you know, a little different timeline than my previous job at Trinity where, uh, you know, we're recruiting people year round and <laughs> I'm starting two yeah. or three classes at once sometimes. Um, very highly competitive schools, you know, high academics. So, um, you know, a lot of interest there. But Nichols, I think, is a hidden gem in New England. I think it's 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 great for a kid who maybe isn't in that bracket financially that is looking to, you know, the family's looking to spend that much money to go to school or just bank on financial aid. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of good merit money uh, opportunities and packages for kids when they're applying to school to kind of alleviate the cost of uh, a private education in New England. So, so being at Trinity for the last seven seasons, correct? So the bio, um, I think, is wrong. I was there for four years, long time, but not seven. Okay, <laughs> seemed like seven. Yeah, it felt like seven. I, I thought I was trying to do the numbers after you graduated. <laughs> Because I know you also were at Holy Cross and Sacred Heart. That's right, yes. And um, obviously you've kind of compared the recruiting differences between Trinity College and Nichols. How has that changed, you know, take it a step further from the Division One schools like Holy Cross and Sacred Heart? To, to be honest, it, it, and to the surprise of some people, it might, it's really not that different. Um, the schools like Trinity and the other NESCACs, are so highly competitive academically and the, the yeah. jobs and the alumni networks that you're exposed to going to those institutions on top of the lacrosse being top notch draws a lot of kids down that path nowadays. You know, I think I could speak to when we were getting recruited Luke, when it was like, you know, 2007 and uh, you know, you're trying to make the empire uh, team for your region. So for me, it was Long Island for you. It was central Syracuse. Um, you know, and I remember playing in the top 50 game and getting an email from Coach Reba at Wesleyan. And I was like, what's Wesleyan? Is that like Ohio <laughs> Wesleyan? Is that like, what is that? I didn't even know. I had no idea. I was very ignorant to the fact that there are these amazing small liberal arts private schools in New England that have these amazing lacrosse programs. So I think it's definitely kind of known now that if you don't go Division One to that ACC, Big Ten, Ivy League or Patriot League school, NESCAC is, a, is a just as good, if not a better option for a lot of families. So uh, Absolutely. The, the recruitment process really wasn't different. You know, and I kind of went in reverse order where I went from Division One to Division Three. So for me, I thought I was going to have to change my style of recruiting. But the, the longer you do it and the more you recruit, it's all the same. And you just kind of figure out what the needs are for the school and admissions and what admissions office is looking for. and then you kind of partner with them and find the best fit. You know, you want the kids you want and you have your list, but you know, you're not trying to uh, burn any bridges with admissions and you, you need them on your side. Right. So you got to partner with them and you make sure that uh, everybody's happy with who you're going after and who you're pursuing. But uh, yeah, there really isn't much of a difference. You know, the, the only difference is scholarships and in, and in some places like uh, like a Holy Cross or a Sacred Heart, they're not, at that 12.6 number, that the full scholarship amount that you're allowed to have for a men's cross team, you know, and there's differences in how much each school has, but, uh, you know, and in Trinity where it's, uh, there are no scholarships for, for, uh, athletes. They are, uh, you know, their family's paying for everything or they're taking out loans to, to meet the costs or they're, uh, you know, taking out financial aid to pay for the cost. So that and might be the only similar difference. Similar to an Ivy league. Correct. Correct. Similar academics and similar it, style. It, the uh, the NESCACs have been called small Ivy Leagues. Um, yeah. So it is, it is the same. It might be a little a little bit different, 
because I know uh, Ivy Leagues have SAT2 requirements that you have to take in certain subjects. Um, that's, Trinity, that wasn't the case. Um, Trinity, just to shed some light on that, is different from some of the other NETSCACs where uh, they are test optional. So you do not have to submit your SAT or ACT scores um, if your GPA is at the level that the school deems, uh, you know, the standard. So there are some kids that get into Trinity that, uh, you know, their GPA is great, but their test score wasn't quite where it needed to be, but they didn't have to submit it, you know. But if you go to Bates, Bates makes all their athletes submit their uh, SAT and ACT scores, you know. So it's just kind of you really got to do your research and ask the right questions when you're going to talk to coaches um, at each institution and kind of figure out how their process works with admissions because each school is going to be different based off of their needs and their processes. Yeah, of course. Switching gears a little though, right? When you're lining up your recruiting schedule for the fall, you end up on the sideline. What is the first thing that stands out to you from a player? Right. And that could be a few things, but yeah. what are the, the first things you start to notice when you're starting to mark guys down? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first thing I look for is that compete level. You know, it, it's a guy who, regardless of the situation on the field, that guy's given max effort. So it could be, for example, he's that. playing the wing on a you know, he's playing the wing on a faceoff. The guy, you know, his teammate who's the faceoff guy, you know, he, he pinches the ball, he throws it between his legs for his for him to go pick it up, right? Does that guy sprint all out to go get that ball and take a push? Does that guy kind of wait for his uh, matchup to get ahead of him so he can try and lift his butt end? Does that guy just dog it completely and let that guy pick the ball up and try and ride him after the fact? Um, there's all these different scenarios that you got to kind of be patient as a coach and an evaluator and watch and see how it all unfolds. Because there's sometimes when you're watching a kid and you're like, oh, he did this, that's so great. And then he, you know, step two, he does that part as well. And then step three, he doesn't, he doesn't get it done. He doesn't finish the play. So it's, you know, and then for example, there, I'm thinking of a situation where let's say a defender, he takes the ball away from his matchup. He picks the ball up off the ground, but then he can't leg the ball up the field to a teammate or uh, get it out himself. Yeah. Or doesn't make fin- the right play when he has He didn't it, finish right? the play. Right. Yeah. It's like the goalie who makes the great save, but he's throwing the ball over the field and he, you know, he's just a, a turnover machine and he's making his life more difficult, you know? So that's part of it as well. You have your specific needs, but also you probably have some, you know, requirements in the back of your head that, Hey, if this kid fits a certain mold, even if we got 10 of them, we can use 10 more. There's no doubt. I I, I say this all the time. And and I said, I said at Trinity, I've said it at Sacred Heart, anywhere where I was like heavily involved with recruiting, we're always going to look to get better. I'm never going to look at it. If there's an opportunity in front of me that I can make the team better in recruiting, I'm going to pursue it. I don't like capping myself. So some coaches will say like, oh, I want 10 guys in this class and I want four attackmen, I want three middies and, you know, one goalie and a couple poles. Um, I'll have that benchmark of what I need. And then the world we live in, right, there's constant change in everything we do, including the roster. So, you know, there's days I come into work and, you know, a couple guys left the team within a couple guys joined the team because there's guys that want to try out and walk on and, you know, and then some older guys, maybe, you know, me being a new coach, maybe they're like, hey, coach, uh, you know, it, it seems like you, you got things going in the right direction. Everyone's excited. Not for me. And that's natural with, you know, changeover and coaching, coaching staff. Yeah. So uh, yeah. for me, I have to make sure that I have the best 
team possible. So I'm always going to pursue opportunities. If a coach reaches out to me, you know, and says, Hey, I got this guy. He's getting overlooked a little bit. You know, he played for me on my varsity team last year and he was a contributor and he did this and he's a great kid. And I look at my list and I see that I, I filled my, you know, midfield quarter, let's say he's a midi. And, uh, but I, but this coach, I know, I trust this guy. I know him well, the coach, and he's telling me that this kid's a difference maker and it'll help my team. I'm going to have a conversation with that young man. I'm going to see where his head's at, and I'm going to see if he is okay with the situation that he would be coming into where maybe we took a couple more guys than he would be comfortable with. But your coach is vouching for you, and I trust him, and I've seen him, and you go watch him play, and you think he's good, and you end up taking a, a gamble on him. Not a gamble, but you, you, know, you give him a chance. And then uh, sometimes those end up being your best players, <laughs> you know, because you gave him a shot. Great point. So uh, point. It's, it's, I never want to close a door on anybody. So um, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I can help you. I have a kid. I'm going to listen and, and kind of yeah. go from there. That's awesome. What do you feel is the easiest position to recruit? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Being a goalie yourself. Is yeah. It goalie, so... Or? Go- goalie, so you know, I, I tend to think that um, the position you play yourself is harder to evaluate. And it's not because you don't know anything about it, but it's more like the you standards have a, are too high. And you have a soft spot for some kids, too. You know, you kind of feel for guys sometimes okay. if it doesn't go their way or or you see something in their game that is a quality that you want and you kind of latch onto that. <laughs> but they don't have yeah. some of the other things you're looking for. So, um I'm not going to say. Well, and and say I was it. always taught too, growing up, it's never the goalie's fault. Right? The defense <laughs> could always play better, and that's just kind of a mentality. Yeah. Even though I played with some great goalies, you know, yeah, John Galloway, that Galloway guy was okay. Steve Mal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, there's always something defense can do better. So I imagine just when you're recruiting, that kind of comes into play. Yeah. No, it's so. I would say for me, I love recruiting defenders because. What do you do mostly as a goalie? You're watching, right? And you're usually telling your defender how you want him to play the ball carrier. So for me, if I'm sitting there and I'm kind of pretending I'm in goal and I'm pretending I'm talking to this defender about what I want him to do and he's doing what I would say to him, you know, and that's a hypothetical where like, you know, not everyone's going to think like that, right? Like think like a player still. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, once a year, except this year, that we usually run into each other at Lake Placid on a field and we're playing you know, and that's our time of year to play, right? So exactly. for me, I still have that mentality of thinking as a player, and that really helps me in my in my job because I'm able to kind of relate to the guys in that way where eventually down the road I won't be able to, you know, I hope I can play until I'm 50 or so, but, I, you know, I don't know what it's going to do to my you body. You your master's up at Lake Placid. <laughs> I've been, you know, I'm, I, I have my <laughs> eye on it, you know, but uh, yeah. I, I love recruiting defenders that uh, are, are just mean, athletic, they sit in the chair, their knees are bent, they're they're just relentless in the matchup and they just don't want to get beat. They don't want their guy to get by them. They want to just go to town on their arms and take the ball away and make that guy not want to dodge him again. You know, I, I really like recruiting good defenders. And then even the guy who's just very technically sound, who's steady Eddie, doesn't really fall for it or, or bite on any fakes or any hitches or any kind of shoulder dips and just kind of moves you out of the middle and keeps and widens you out and, and makes you pass the ball. Like I'm good with those guys too. You need, you know, a Let little bit of both. Make the mistake, right? Right. Exactly. Kind of make that guy panic a little bit, you know? So I'm good with those guys too, but you, you, it's all bringing it up, bringing the unit together, finding, you know, one guy each that kind of matches your, 
what you're planning to do. For sure. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Iron Horse Lacrosse, the number one lacrosse program in Texas for travel teams, camps, and clinics. For more information on Iron Horse, visit their website at www.ironhorselax.com. Where, where are your favorite places to recruit? And you can be specific on this. Oh, uh, even more from a broad standpoint, do you prefer showcases or recruiting tournaments or even prospect days and maybe why or why sure. you prefer certain things for each? Sure, sure. So um, I definitely have taken a liking to the high school varsity tournaments. So, for example, like New England Lacrosse Showcase or yeah. National High School Lacrosse Showcase. Or um, there's one on Long Island now that uh, my coach is going to kill me because uh, Coach Jason Lambert was my high school coach. He runs it. And a lot. National <laughs> Lacrosse Invitational. So those yeah, three. Yeah, that's a popular one. Those are great. So those are three. So National Lacrosse Invitational is at Ward Melville High School. They do two events, one in the fall, one in the summer. NHSLS is down in Maryland. They have started to do a fall event, and their summer event's huge. And then NELS, uh, New England Lacrosse Showcase, is a similar type of format. It's only in the summer. But uh, it's it's refreshing to go watch these guys play with their varsity uh, teammates and coaches and kind of see where they stack up in their town because yeah you know the club stuff is great I'm I'm we all go to club events um, you know we all have relationships with club coaches and they're very vital and important and uh, club lacrosse is not going anywhere you know let's not be uh, naive to that but uh, I think there is room for um, more varsity events with the high school teams and i just think the coaches like watching it more because it's sim- it's, it's more realistic to college lacrosse is how, is kind of how i'm phrasing this than yeah. going to a club tournament and watching the guys play you know three games on a friday <laughs> and then they got to wake up on saturday and play two more and then they got playoffs on sunday and it's like they're playing like nine or ten games in a weekend and and then they go play in another back-to-back uh, weekend. Yeah, or then they go summer. on a Monday and go to a prospect day after they played a whole weekend at a tournament, and they went from the tournament in Maryland to the prospect day in Connecticut. And I'm like, oh my god, like when are you, when are you taking a or break? Walking, let alone right, right. You <laughs> know, and you know, forget two sport athletes if you're going to be doing that to your body doing one sport. True. So it's, uh, you know, I, I I hate to see the kids overwork themselves like that, and sometimes. Maybe sometimes you need to do that because of your circumstances, but I think more times than not, if you're strategic about the events you're going to, um, if you have specific schools in mind and you want to go to their prospect days and you reach out to the coaches and they give you the information and you're able to get yourself at that event in front of those coaches, take maximum advantage of talking to them and ask as many questions as possible. Um, make sure that they evaluate you. You know, Make sure that the money you're putting forward to go to that event is well spent, you know, and you have an answer, whether it's a yeah or a maybe um, or, or a no, which, which happens. And they're not easy conversations. I can tell you that right now with the coach telling the kid, Hey, I'm sorry, we're not taking you. But if, uh, if the guy or the coach isn't having that conversation, um, sometimes that can leave the family and the kid in a tough spot. So uh, I try to more times than not have that conversation, you know, unless the kid decides to go somewhere else and then it's on him to, reach out and tell me you want to keep everybody uh, in the loop as much as possible and be as transparent as possible. Yeah. And I love how you bring up the high school events because that was, I've always said that 
you know, and you can get a little bit with your club team because you play with your club team a good amount. But I think of an individual showcase, right? If you're an off-ball player, you're not necessarily going to have someone who's able to get you the ball. So how are you even showcasing your talent? And if the face-off guy on your team isn't winning any draws and you're at a showcase and you're on offense, you know, yeah, exactly. you're, you're kind of in a tough spot. Same thing if you're a goalie on a team with a great face-off guy, if you don't see any shots come your way. How, how are they evaluating you, you know? so Or you're seeing shots from five yards. Or you're getting right. cranked on and they think, they think you're exactly. bad, right? Yeah, so and yeah, <laughs> it, it's tough. Yeah. I give these kids and families credit. You know, they, they're they not gambling, but it's a risk. You know, it's a risk. Um, and I've heard of families uh, this, with the film, too. Like, they, they'll pay for the film at an event. And then, uh, you know, maybe their son plays half of a quarter the whole game. Like, they play the half of the first quarter, half of the second quarter, and they're a defender. And then the the ball never comes down their way, and they buy this film, and they're not on it. You know, so it's tough. It, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say this is uh there's one way to do the recruiting process. Definitely do your research and your homework and ask appropriate questions because a lot of money uh, is spent. Whether it, it you land at a school or whether you end up not landing at a school for lacrosse, you spend a lot of money either way. So make sure you're kind of doing your due diligence. And following up with people and doing your your homework because you the more informed you are, the better decisions you can make, and you're not blindsided in these meetings when coaches invite you to campus. How often do you look at highlight films? All the time. Um, it's a good barometer to kind of give us a snapshot of who they are as a player and what their strengths are. I can tell you right now, if they don't have film, I can't do much unless I've seen them play live. Or if I have a, a buddy who is their coach and it's like, this guy is the man, you have to go watch him play, you know, because it's, it's you're guessing. You're kind of just looking at, uh, you know, a piece of paper with their height and weight and their birthday and their high school. And, you know, you don't have anything to kind of uh, evaluate and kind of see, yeah, I would check him out or maybe, you know, maybe in a little while, maybe send me another one, see how you're progressing or, or no. You know, but the, but the highlight tape is, is crucial. I know there's kind of a, there's a debate, I guess, whether it's worth it or not. I think it's, I think it is worth it, but I don't think more highlight tapes than not don't land kids scholarships. That's the way I'm going to put it. So if you have a great highlight, don't expect to be offered a scholarship, but do expect interest. And then you got to do your part from there. Um, the kids who kind of land those spots off of the highlights might apply a little bit more to the quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, non-traditional areas, right? Because they're not maybe able yeah, to get exactly. to the East as much. And so not traditional market thing. I'm not really, I mean, Texas is huge now. California is huge now. I expect to go to those places. So I don't like calling them non-traditional, but you know, people are going to say what the label, what they label it. So, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely changed, but it's been interesting. Yeah. And it, it seems that highlight films, they can show you a lot, but they also leave out a lot, right? I mean, if, you have no idea the competition they're playing against. Yeah. You have no it, idea what else happened in that game. You have no idea if they had six turnovers before they scored that goal. To, and, and also, to your point, how did they react to a bad play? Did they put their head down? Did they slam a stick? You know, these little things, right? So I know coaches out there uh, want to watch an entire game and, and literally just stare at that one kid they're evaluating and see everything that they do, whether they're playing or not playing which uh, is one way to do it. Um, if you're like really super focused on one kid as a coaching staff, I think that's appropriate. But um, if you did that for every recruit, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to finish your class. <laughs> you know, True. like I said, that's one way to do it. The highlights 
crucial. If you have a highlight that gives you a better chance of moving on to the next step, which is, hey, where are you going to play? Or, hey, we've seen you play. We like your highlights. Do you want to come to Prospect Day? Or, hey, we've seen you play. We like your highlights. Do you want to come to campus and visit? So um, look at it as a vehicle to the next step. That's how I would phrase it. Don't look at it as like, I need this highlight to be great or I'm not going to get recruited. You know, like the, yeah, the highlight is there point. to open the door for you to walk through it. So not, now being the head coach of Nichols College and you've had different experience, you know, playing, you know, from Long Island, playing at University of Albany, coaching Sacred Heart, Holy Cross, Trinity. And now you have your own program. How do you anticipate, you know, the Bison style of play will be come this spring? You know, and it's going to be from an offensive and defensive standpoint. But sure. how do you, you know, how do you think you guys will show up this spring? Sure. So um, I don't want to give too much away. You know, <laughs> I think we're going to be we're going to play different. You know, I watched all the games from last year. Shortly after I got hired, I I just went to town and watched. You know, every night I put a game on and you know kind of evaluate. And it was cool to kind of watch the progression from game one to the last game. You know, all the way up until uh, Curry. Uh, and the strides that we took as a team, you could see the improvement as we went along and you could kind of see the, the early season, like, Oh man, it's February lacrosse. Kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, I kind of want to play. Cold. Yeah. Cold on oh, man. If you don't like cold, don't go to school in new England. Just, just, uh, just FYI. But um, yeah, I think we're going to play different in the sense that in the past, We've been more of a, a free, not a freelance, but more of an open offensive team that is similar to an Albany or a Syracuse where it's like, hey, we get the ball, we're on out, we're going to the, to the net. Yeah. I think that we have some very good players, but I don't want to play that fast and loose style just yet. I kind of want to take advantage of the clock. Um, I want to be more in that uh, clock management, ball possession um, taking advantage of possessions and getting our personnel on the field before we choose to attack the goal. Um, is that the most exciting way to play in 2019 going on 2020? Probably not. No. But I think that, you know, and we lived it playing at Albany. The st- if you don't have a face-off guy that can get you the ball a lot and you're a team that, like, as soon as the long pole gets the ball and you're considering yourself on offense, you better be able to score goals because you're going to have to win 17, 16, 18, 17. You're going to be ha- have to be able to go goal for goal with these, these teams. And yeah. the way that we played last year, when we would go play against some better teams that played that style, I didn't really like the result. So I want to kind of take back control a little bit of the, of the game and manage it a little bit more uh, on offense. So we got some dudes that I want to put the ball in their stick and I want to kind of let the clock go down a little and then set up and go. Um, and then take advantage of the time that's remaining and put some pressure on the defense that way. Um, and then take advantage of transition and understand if we have transition, go, but then also understanding when it's not there anymore and it's a clear-cut, even situation that we save the possession, we get the ball behind, we spin it, and then we set up and go. Defensively, we were more of a zone team, which a lot of, a lot of schools are going that route nowadays and even recruiting personnel to run the zone, like Wesleyan, where they have these, these huge guys that are like, it's like trying to throw the ball through the forest, so to speak. You know, they're so long and rangy, and then you put a pole in their hands. If they put their stick up in a lane, you're trying to skip it through from one corner to the other. It's really hard to connect if you're not uh, really on with your timing, you know? So yeah. um, 
I'm trying to, to kind of go back to more of a man-to-man style defense, get out there and pressure guys that have the ball and slide early, you know, and, and help early and, and give confidence to the on-ball defenders that are on islands. Like, hey, you get beat. We got help for you coming. Don't worry about it. Just be aggressive. Go play that guy. Keep him out of the middle. If he gets a step on you, we'll slide and you can recover and we'll go from there. Well, John, great info, you know, the, the whole time on here. And to kind of wrap things up, let's say you found, you know, you're on the sideline, you found your guy, right? Someone that'd be a great fit for the school, the team, and would probably be an impact player right away. What are your biggest selling points at Nichols College? You know, things that you guys can offer that you're not going to find at every college or every college lacrosse program. It's a great question. You know, I think at Nichols, you know, you're going to find a small, tight-knit community of people from the administration to the athletic department that are just willing to help in any way possible. Um, You know, I'm amazed with the infrastructure and support that the kids have here. Um, anything that they kind of need as far as uh, it being academics or advising. Um, the Career Professional Development Center has, um, they actually have suits and um, for men and women, if they don't have the proper attire for an interview, they can go to the Career Professional Development Center and get a suit fitted for them for their interview that day. And they don't have to leave oh, campus wow. to do it. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I was like, that is amazing. I wish I <laughs> I had something like that to help me when I was at Albany. But uh <laughs> would have got some better job offers, I guess, but no, it's, uh, that's just one part of it. You know, the athletic department here is top notch. Our facilities are some of the best in division three. Uh, I don't think it'll be hard to find one that uh, not a lot of schools have the facilities that we have, you know, our field house is, it's full size. Our weight room is connected right to it. Uh, My office is right outside of it. So I can see the guys working out all the time. You know, they can hit, play wall ball in there. There's racquetball courts that they can go. There's two of them, actually, that the team goes in there and plays wall ball together. You know, our turf field's brand new. They just installed it last year. There's a lot of lot of good things going on. Awesome, man. Great selling points. And <clears throat> we look forward to see how you, go, you guys do this spring. You know, Coach John Carroll, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate and obviously, it. Obviously, best of luck, you know, in your first head coaching position. Really appreciate it, Luke. Thank you for the time. Thanks for listening to Lacrosse Recruiting 101. Catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Have a question for Luke? Email them to questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com.